Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. What's up? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. How y'all doing? Everybody recovered from Thanksgiving? A little turkey coma? Come on, I feel like I hit a new level of manhood this year. I made the turkey. I did it. I did it. I went to Walmart as a warrior and bought a ninja roaster. I put a 10-pound turkey in that ninja. I basted that thing. That thing sounded like a lawnmower on the counter. It was like, Argh. my wife's like, what is the noise? I say, it's doing its job, baby. It's working. It's the best turkey I've ever had in my whole life. My kids would differ. They would say it wasn't, but uh, I'm sticking to my guns. I am a ninja master now when it comes to Thanksgiving. Um, we're going to jump into the word today. We're in a season, a vision season, and... Um, Looking at Nehemiah, on your seats, you probably found an uh, offering envelope. This is not for this week, so it's okay. You can relax. Come back next week and, uh, and bring it with you. We're going to believe God uh, next week for a supernatural vision offering. Every year we do it, the first, uh, first uh, Sunday in December, and uh, we have vision every year. There's vision in our church. I'm so thankful to be a, a part of a church that has vision to really impact our community, to see lives restored, to see lives transformed, to, to see the world reach for Christ. And so thank you for being a part of that. And um, I'm just going to ask you to take this from your, on your seat and pray. Ask God what he'd have you do, and then just participate and obey what God would have you do. Pray and participate. Ask God, whatever God says, and then just obey God. Not, not what I say or not what we say. Just obey what God says and do that. And I think God will do some supernatural things in this next season. Um, there's different ways in here. There's not just one option. There's about three different options. And maybe you find yourself in one of those options and uh, would love you, for you to participate in that. And there's just something powerful when the whole church does that together. So hold that. Bring it with you. We're going to do it. We don't ever do it like this except once a year where we have buckets at the altar. We all, uh, during a moment of worship, participate in that together and bring that. And, and so, you know, when you are a blessing in this offering, it doesn't just go to bless us. It also blesses the whole world. I mean, you know, we're doing a Christmas mall for our community, but also we're, we're doing a whole Christmas mall in Honduras in a village for about 150 kids in Honduras. So that's going to be awesome. Y'all are doing that. Um, we're supplying you, you're supplying all the toys for that, for that town in Honduras. And then, and then right now as we speak, and I want to show you this video, we are, and you are reaching every time you give. And when we have offerings like this, we are sowing into the world and reaching places that are hostile to the gospel. Check out what you're doing around the world right now, uh, with your giving. Come on. Wow. Isn't that awesome? And that's, you guys are touching the world. That's just one organization that we support. I'm really good friends with Jason Law, and he'll be here eventually. But uh, thank you for having a heart that went out. The Bible says Jesus' heart went out. And I'm so thankful for a church and a people that's heart goes out. And so that's why we exist, to see lives transformed as we make Jesus known. I'm going to jump into the book quickly today. I've got uh, 10 different gates that I want to preach. I was going to try to preach all 10 gates. Nehemiah set up 10 gates around this city. We're talking about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and how Nehemiah took it on his, on his heart, a call from God to rebuild some things. And uh, we looked at week one. That Nehemiah had a heart to rebuild the walls, that worship without walls is, is, is dangerous, that a lot of times we can worship, but if we don't have boundaries in our life, can I say to you, you're only as healthy as the boundaries you set up in your life. You're only as healthy as the boundaries that you, of what you allow in or out of your life. And so we need boundaries. Week two, we looked at Nehemiah's heart, not just wanting to put up walls or architecture. His heart was moved because the people were in disgrace. His heart was moved because God's kids weren't having their dreams fulfilled, their families built, their, their jobs built, their, 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 their 
just their lives were in disarray because there was no walls for them to, to have a city to be a part of, to grow healthy. And so Nehemiah had a heart to build people. We talked about being a Christian is really about building people that as a church, we want to build people. And so we looked at that. And then this week, I was going to try to tackle all the 10 gates that, that Nehemiah set up, but I, there's no way. I got to three in the first service. Come on. And so, and so I was going to do five and five. I'm going to come back next week. We're going to do five of them. This week, I'm going to try to give you five, but I might only get to three. Is that okay? And so um, there'll, there'll be a little, uh, a little, just next week, you might get, you might get uh, uh, a lot, a lot more. But I'm just, I'm going to try to give you as much as I can give you this week. And I want to teach you a little bit. It's so important about Nehemiah building and putting the gates back in place. How many know that gates and doors are important? They, in the kingdom and in the Bible, they always symbolize access or they symbolize uh, freedom or they symbolize being able to come and go. Jesus says, I'm the door uh, to, to, of life. I'm the door. No man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is the access. It's how we can come and go. God says that you can have good pasture. You can come and you can go in our life. There's this, there's doors, these access that God gives us in our life. The Bible says that Jesus will lock any door that no man can unlock and he'll open any door that no man can open. I love that, that God actually locks and closes doors and opens doors for us. Aren't you glad God shut some of those doors that you were trying to knock down? Come on, some of y'all have been crying over what God's been protecting you from. And, and so, so God can lock some things in our life. So Nehemiah puts up doors. And Nehemiah 3.1, I'm going to go through. There's a real interesting progression of these doors. It says, then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. The very first gate that's talked about is the sheep gate, very prophetic. This is the gate that the sacrificial lambs would actually go through. So it was called the sheep gate. The sheep would go through it and they would use them for worship and sacrifice. This is the actual gate that Jesus walked through when he went to the cross of Calvary. When Jesus went, this is the same wall, the same, the same place that Jesus would have been around, the one that Nehemiah built. Jesus walked through the sheep gate when he went out to the cross. This first gate is the first gate mentioned because Jesus is the first and it's actually the last gate mentioned. It's mentioned again in verse 32 because Jesus is the last. The book talks about this gate twice. It's the only door that talks about twice. Jesus is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This has to do with the cross and what God wants to say about to us about the cross. I believe if we put some of these gates back in place in our life, that there'll be real revival. I, th I think that God can bring revival in our hearts, in our homes, in our city, in our church. If we actually take the time to go back to what these ancient gates and doorways are, this is the door that Jesus is talking about, his cross, his sacrifice, his death. It's very important. John 12 says this, when Jesus talks about his death, it's right before he went to the cross. He says, my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said it had thundered. Don't you love how people try to water down the miraculous of God? Half the crowd said it thundered. Half the crowd said they just sang some songs. The other half said that an angel has spoke to heaven, spoke from heaven to him. Jesus answered and said, I love this. This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. So God, God spoke from heaven for our sake, for your sake, for you to see this, that God wanted to say some stuff. And then Jesus makes commentary on the time, on the cross, on what was happening. Now is the judgment of this world. Not now I'm judging the world. I'm judging right now. I'm going to the cross. I'm judging the world, the way of the world, the system of the world, the way sin operates, the way Satan operates. I'm going to judge the world now. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Who's the ruler of the world? Satan. It's not Jesus. I'm going to teach y'all today. Come on. Jesus is not ruling earth. 
One day Jesus is going to come back and set up a throne and have a scepter and he's going to rule the planet with a rod iron and people will bow their knee forcefully and, and they will have to worship and they will have to sing. But right now Jesus is on a throne in heaven and the only thing he rules is your and my heart. He's invited by, by, by grace, invited, only, only enters by invite. And he comes and he begins to rule our heart and change us. And then he calls us to go out and take dominion and have access into the world to take his light and his glory and make his name known so he can rule other people's hearts. But he's not ruling the planet. If he was, he would be a CEO who was fired because the prisons are full. Orphanages are full. There's chaos in the world. There's fire. There's things. The world is falling apart. And y'all are like, well, Jesus, he's not doing a good job. It's because, because he's not the little G God is Satan who rules the world. It says he's the ruler of the world. So right here, Jesus says it. Some of y'all are like, this is heresy. No, it's Bible. It says that he, the ruler of this world will be cast out. Cast out of where? I'll get to that in a minute. And I, if I am lifted up, Jesus starts talking about his death. If I am lifted up, will draw all people to myself, all peoples to myself. If I'm lifted up, I'll draw everybody to myself. This he said, signifying what death he would die. Jesus hears a voice from heaven. He says, that voice didn't come for my sake. It came for your sake. And then he says three things. He says, here's the father's voice. He says, now is the judgment of the world. What does that mean? Sin has been judged. Satan's system has been judged. Listen, sin for all time, past, present, and future has been dealt with and judged. All the evil, all the atrocities, it's been judged. God paid one price for everything, past, present, and future for your mistakes, for your sin, for the atrocities of the world. It's been judged. And here's the deal. Why that's so important. Satan's foothold in our life comes through sin. And so if sin has been judged, that means Satan has no foothold in my life anymore. Satan has no foothold in your life anymore because sin's been judged. Now the ruler of this world has been judged and said the ruler of this world, Satan's been judged and actually been cast out. Cast out of where? He's not cast out of the earth. I'm talking about the sheep gate. I'm talking about the cross, what the cross did, what it afforded you and I. Satan's been cast out. Where? Remember in Job, in the book of Job, when Satan would come and go from, from earth to heaven and go up into the throne of God and begin to speak and accuse man to God, accuse Job to God. Satan would say, hey, have you considered, have you considered Job? Remember that? Where's Satan been cast out of? He's been cast out of access to heaven. Since the cross happened, Sin was paid for. Satan was refused access now to heaven. That means that Satan can no longer go before the throne of God and accuse you. He can't go before God and begin to bring accusations against you, which is so powerful and it's important for you to know because the only way Satan can accuse you is to get you to, to accuse yourself. So Satan will begin to whisper to you and condemn you and speak to you so that you begin to control your confession. So he controls your confession and you begin to say stuff about you that isn't about you. The cross actually paid so that Satan can't actually go and accuse you to God any longer. What I'm asking you to do is stop telling God what Satan says about you and start telling Satan what God says about you. It changes everything. The cross changes my life. The cross paid for sin. The cross is not a reminder of sin. It's a removal of sin. So often we think it is a reminder. He says the third thing, and if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. And we think that means that we've got to lift him up better. We think that means if I, if I, if we got to sing better and louder, if I just lift him up more, if I just become more like him, people will be drawn to him. You know, on your best day, you ain't like him. Come on. He's already been lifted up. He's given commentary on how he would die. He says, if I be lifted up, 
I'll draw all people to me. He's saying if people will actually understand the implications of the cross, they'll understand what it paid for, they'll understand what I did by grace, that I was lifted up. He's making an Old Testament reference to Moses when God sent serpents, when all the people were complaining, serpents came out of the woodworks. Come on, be careful what you complain about. Serpents came out and began to bite people with poisonous bites. And there was no healing for that. It was poison. It's, it's the picture of Satan's bite, sin's bite, death's bite. There's no healing. There's no cure. There's no, there's no answer. So all the people began to scream out to God, please heal us, God. And God said, okay, Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a couple bronze serpents. I want you to make two snakes. To think, take a picture of the thing that bit you. And now form it into bronze, which is judgment. And then put it on a, on a tree and lift it real high. And anybody that looks at the bronze snakes lifted up in the tree will actually be healed. And we want, we want it so complicated, don't we? That's ridiculous. Like, look at a bronze snake on a tree and we're going to be healed? That's, I mean, I want, I want like MedMD. I want, I want, I want some, I want an 82 doc. I need some, I need some real, some real diagnosis here. Now, Jesus says, just look at the bronze snakes on the tree. It's a picture of him being lifted up. Moses lifted up this serpent. It was a picture of Jesus being lifted up. And Jesus is saying, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people. If I, I am, I, I'm lifted up on the cross. I'm going to take the sin of the world. I'm going to judge Satan. I'm going to remove sin. I'm going to say some different things about you. And if I be lifted up and people understand actually what I did on that cross, all of a sudden now people will begin to be drawn to me. We're drawn to it like a magnet. Come on. Magnets repel the, repel, uh, the same, but attract the opposite. Come on. My wickedness, my brokenness, my evil, my sin. I know it. And I'm drawn to the positivity of God. But when you think you got it all figured out and everything don't stink in your life, you are repelled by the cross and repelled by the things of God. The grace always draws us. Law always drives us away. And so we're drawn to the cross. We're drawn to God. And I just think that you and I, I need to stick next to the cross. Paul said, I'm going to boast in the cross. I'm going to, I'm going to boast in what God did on the cross. That's it. That's all I know to boast in. I think, I think there's revival getting back to the cross. I'm not going to boast in my own ingenuity and my own self-esteem and my own prowess and my own ability to lead things and my own ability to, to know the word and my own ability. I'm not going to boast in my own ability to do what any, any of it. Jesus crucified all that and actually said, I'm going to boast in the cross and what he paid for. Everything God does on behalf of you and I comes from the cross. He was lifted up. You're pleasing to him. You, he took your place and my place. And I think that we need to get the cross back. The first gate was the cross. The second gate, very important. It's the progression. It's a progression on purpose to this gate. It's the fish gate. Come on. Ooh, nobody wants fish for Thanksgiving. It's the fish gate. Who had fish for Thanksgiving? Anybody in this room? Come on. Nope. Nobody's going to admit it now. I, I just said it. <laughs> so maybe some of y'all went out. My, my, some of my relatives live in, in, um, in Charleston. So they had a little, they had a little, uh, you know, a little bayou Thanksgiving down there. They had a little, you know, low country boil down there. So that, they had a little seafood. If you're down south, you can do that. Um, but, but this is the fish gate. The fish gate symbolizes evangelism. Jesus says he'll make us fishers of men, fishers of women, fishers of people that, that you and I, um, he, he lays this gate second. It's the next gate in the progression of our life. When it comes to being saved, now the next thing, if God has saved you, grabbed you, gotten your heart, filled you, rescued your soul, your next calling, the Holy Spirit puts inside of you a burning desire to reach people for God, to let them know the truth of the gospel. It says this, that they, they hung this fish gate. Do you know, um, this is the only gate in verse five, it says next to them, the Tokites made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. This is the only gate that Nehemiah had a problem getting leaders to work. Do you know, I think that this gate's broken down in the church somewhat. I think our, we've been silenced and 
put fear on us by man and scared to share the good news of the gospel out in our sphere of influence, scared to open our mouths at times. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've, I've, I, I deal with fear sometimes. And then I, I know the Bible. I know the word. I know, and, I, and I'm, I'm a pastor. I deal with fear for trying to, if God tells me to go share that with somebody, I, you know, obviously I've got my close friends and my sphere of influence and I'll share the gospel, but just to be able to just figure out how to evangelize it, it's scary sometimes. And I think, I think we, you know, we want to do good works and do Christmas malls and give toys and all that. But I love that we're also giving the gospel. I love that we're giving the gospel over in these other nations. We're handing out gospel tracts and Bibles to other people. I think evangelism is so important. I think it's so important this hour in the church that we should have an urgency to have evangelism in our heart. We got to work at it. Everybody says, well, I'm not called to be an evangelist. No, but the Bible says everyone's called to do the work of an evangelist. That you and I would have this passion in our life. Here's why. Because God has a desire for people. He, he, his heart is for people and he wants us to reach people. I'm going to read a bunch of verses to you real quick. I just want to get this in your spirit. And, and I think as a church, we have a vision to reach people. Come on, uh, to, to, to fill the house because the gospel is real and people need the gospel. Luke 14, 23. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. I just want to get into your spirit. Like God wants a full church. He does. He's just like, well, big church, big church. I want to be a big church. God wants big church. It's not about big, the size of a building, but big, full of people, big, full of the celebration. Luke 14, 23, Luke 19, 10, for the son of man has not come to seek and save. He came to seek and save that which was lost. First Timothy 1, 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Come on, I love Paul said that. I am chief. Some of you need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am chief today. This was at the Paul's end of his life. He, he recognized how broken he was and how much he needed Christ. You would think that if all people at the end of understanding regeneration and salvation and sanctification, that Paul wouldn't think he was still messed up. He's still saying, I am chief. Spurgeon said this, evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I just, I just love that. Like, Luke 15, four, what man of you having a hundred sheep is, and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. Yep. Come on. Aren't you glad that God didn't stop until he found you, Amen. that the Holy spirit kept pursuing you until he got you. I'm so thankful for the until come on. I give up looking for my dog. If it's lost, you'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter's mad right now. Like, they'll, they'll find their way home. <laughs> No, no, no. This shepherd goes until he finds it. We're called as a church to go until God finds them and brings them in and gets them into the family of God. Luke 15, 24, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be married. God has a heart, huge heart for lost stuff. You ever lost something that's important to you, valuable to you? Come on, anybody lose their keys or their wallet over Thanksgiving? Anybody lose their wallet lately? Come on, when I lose my, somebody's trying to raise their hand. I lost my wallet. Do you know, when I lose my wallet, I go into panic mode. Like anybody else panic when you lose your wallet? And then I, I just, I, and especially if you can't find it after a few minutes, like the couple places you thought you might've left it, when it's not there, you go out, you search the car, you go out and you look in that one place. And when it's not in those two places as you thought it was, it's like, <gasps> you start running the, the, your, your mind on how to cancel all your credit cards. Who has it? Who's still at the You're thinking about getting people's video faces on the debit machine. You're like, who, I know I'm going to find you. Everybody's in the house doing their own thing. I go into panic mode. I look at everybody. I'm like, what are y'all doing? 
I lost my wallet. And they're like, so you dummy. I need y'all to panic with me. I need, I need, where's my wallet? Babe, where's my wallet? Have you seen my wallet? Babe, I need you to, where's my wallet? I want, I need a little panic. I need everybody on a search with me. Come on. Y'all got me. Y'all feel me. Think about God in heaven with his kids that are lost. Don't you think he's going, Hey, what are y'all doing? Like I got lost kids out there. Like, Hey, 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 I need y'all to be a little anxious. I need you to panic a little bit with me. I need you to get them. I need you to bring them in. I think the heart of God is saying, Hey, I need you to reach lost people because you are the light of the world. God desires that people would be saved. First Timothy two, four, he desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Proverbs eleven thirty: the fruit of righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. Romans 1, 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I think different lies that kind of hit us sometimes like, ah, it's not really going to, it's going to work. Somebody else will share it. Somebody else will share the good news. Let me just ask you a question. How many people in the last month have, have you had share the gospel with you in this city? I'm just asking, like, somebody else isn't going to do it. Somebody else isn't going to pray for you. We have to be intentional. And sometimes we think, oh, they're not going to believe it anyway. Or they're going to think I'm a Bible thumper and I'm judging them. No, no, no. We come with grace. Usually God's working on the other end of your obedience. Usually when you begin to step out, God's already doing something. Years ago when I was wayward, I was, we'd go out to bars in Louisville. I still go to bars every now and then, but I'm not wayward. <laughs> These were bars that stayed up until 5 a.m. in Louisville. Come on, we partied in Louisville, somebody. And they, they would stay up until 5 a.m. and we would leave at about 4.40. And I remember coming out at about 4.40 one night, been drinking, and Holy Spirit was already working in my life. And this guy walks up to me at 4.40 in the morning. I mean, he's out there witnessing, older man, probably in his 60s. A young man in his 60s. <laughs> I'm getting older. Um, and, and he walked up to me and I, I turned the corner and he said, hey man, just want you to know Jesus loves you. That's all I said. I got angry. I got mad. I was like, hey, you judging me? You ju-? That's what I said. I was like, you judging me for being in this bar? You judging me? He goes, hey son, what about love speaks judgment? He says, Jesus loves you. Here, take this. And it was a little gospel track. Remember gospel tracks? It was a gospel track. We're, we're actually, I'm talking with Pastor Justin about how we can actually recreate some modern day tracks with little videos, little QR codes and videos that we can give to our church and you guys can hand them out. And it has a little, little quick videos, 30 second videos about re, with the gospel in creative ways. But but he gave me this track in the front. It said, I remember it. I'll never forget. It says, Joe had it all. And then you flip the page and it had this dude in a, in a Corvette top down, two girls in the back. Joe had the car. Next page, Joe had the girls. Next page, Joe had a big house. Showed the house. The last page, it said, but Joe was empty. Yeah. And I was so empty that that thing hit my soul. And I would take that. I put it in my dresser drawer and I would, we would party all week long. And then on Sunday morning, I would get up and weep with nobody around, and I'd pull that out, and I'd read it, and I'd beg God to get involved in my life. I just want you to know that God's working on the other side of your obedience, on the other side of, on the other side of, hey, Jesus loves you. 
It's as simple as that. And we, we need to be bold enough and strong enough to know, hey, this is the fish gate. We've got to get some light back into people's lives. We've got to go out and let the gospel. Hear me. Don't take the pressure on. The gospel does the work. You don't, you don't save anybody. I don't save anybody. The gospel does the work. God forbid a church that works if the gospel doesn't. The gospel does the work. It's like when my, my kids used to come out, when I would come home from a big trip and I would have all my bags and all my luggage, anybody with kids that would come out to help you bring the bags in, they would love to carry the bags in and, I, and they'd be like, can we carry the bags in? And they couldn't even lift the bags. And I'd be like, yeah, carry the bags. They putting their hand on the bag and I'm tripping. It's more of a hassle than actually it's, than it's helping. They're not helping. And they're trying to bring the bags in. And they're happy and I'm happy. I'm like, woo. And I, it would have been easier for me to bring the bags in by myself. Was I mad at them? No. Was it awesome? Yeah, they got involved. That's what God's saying when it comes to evangelism. Like sometimes it's more of us trying to help him out and help the God gospel. He's like, you know, really, I can do the work. I'm not mad at you, but, but, but let the gospel do the work. And I, I think the greatest thing that you and I can do, the gospel works. We allow the gospel to do the heavy lifting for us. All our job is to do is to present it, to share it, to give the good news of Jesus. Hey, Jesus loves you and watch God get involved. I want to put that gate back into my life. We need light. The world needs light. There's fear. There's anxiety. There's panic in the world. Why? Because there's no light. Y'all remember I told you the story about my lights going out in my car and I drove around for a month with no headlights. <laughs> I don't suggest doing that. I got them fixed. Come on. <laughs> and now one more has gone out again in like in a month. I, I'm a little panicky. I'm going with one right now. It's been about two weeks <laughs> and I, I've got one. I'm going to go get it fixed. I'm setting an appointment, but I'm fearful because I knew what it was like to operate with no light. I knew the restrictions on my life. And I think the world doesn't understand why they have fear and why they have panic and why they have anxiety, but they're trying to navigate a dark world with no light. It's you or my job to share the light and be the light. We can't keep this precious news to ourselves. The fish gate. Come on. We're fishers of people. The third gate. This is the last one. I got the three first service. I'm going to get to three second service. The third gate. It's called the old gate. This is the most that, that Nehemiah talks about any gate. There's the most workers and the most commentary on this gate. It's the old gate. It's the ancient paths. It's the old way. It's the ways of God. It's God crying out to you and I saying, there's no new way. There's no new gospel. There's no new creative way for us to serve God and love God and be God's people. There's the old paths. I'm going to go a little old school on you this morning. Can I do that? It's the old past. Jeremiah says it this way in Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. We actually have to ask for them. God, I want the right path. I want the old path. I want the ancient path. I want the path that you've paved. I want the path that's trodden. I want the path that's true. I want the path that's sturdy and firm. I want the path that's been marked by your word and marked by your spirit. I want, I ask for that path. Because the world's path and the way they're throwing things at us and the way they're telling us to walk and to live and to date and to give and to be successful is not the path of God. Ask for the old paths. Where the good way is. Listen to that. Where the good way is and walk in it. Then, then, I'm trying to help you today. Then you will find rest for your souls. He's talking about this path that we can be on, the old path, the ancient ways. Sometimes y'all are like, well, that's just, that's just, out, that's just old, outdated. It has peace attached to it. That's just old fashioned. You ever been on a scary path? You ever been on a dark path in the woods? That's why I don't camp. I'm not going into the dark woods with no weapons, letting a piece of polyester tent separate me from life and death in the middle of the night when I can't see you coming. I'm not doing it. 
Give me a camper. Give me a locked door. Give me something. Give me some metal. Give, give me something. Give me a, I'll take a gun camping. I don't care what state park I'm in. I got, I am, I, I, I don't like to camp. It's scary. I hear noises in the woods. Get eaten by stuff, killed by stuff. That's where, that's where killers go in the woods. Not camping. Scary paths. I, I asked my wife to, to marry me. This is our, this is our, this is my marriage story. It's not as good as Dylan's and yours. So you're going to have to forgive me. I, I, Dylan did it right. He did this whole thing. He had, you know, all kinds of stuff. You, he, they went, you went viral with his Dylan's proposal story. I, I'm a Kentucky boy. So I, so I decided my wife and I went on a date and, uh, at the Kentucky Natural Arch. Anybody heard of the Natural Arch? It's a beautiful arch in the woods of Kentucky. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to propose to her at the arch. And I'm going to, I'm going to write a poem. And I got my poem ready. And I, and I, and I began, to, I wanted to surprise her and take her back to this moment we had at this arch. And so I don't calculate when the sun goes down, though. So when we pulled up to the place, I wanted to surprise her, so I had her blindfolded. I pulled up to, this, to, the, to the park to go into the woods with a blindfolded woman in the middle of Kentucky. At dusk, <laughs> I began to lead my wife into the woods, blindfolded on a path in the middle of Kentucky in the woods. I didn't take account that other people were going to be coming out of the woods thinking that this man kidnapped this woman and took her into the woods. It's a bad path. It gets dark. She's falling over rocks, blindfolded. I have to piggyback her into the woods. I get lost from the path. We never find the arch, and I have to bend my knee in a little clearing and read a poem in the place that was never meant to be read. And I told her we were supposed to be at the arch. Then we begin to hear banjos play at night in the woods. And we both begin to run for our life out of the woods from the proposal. The only proposal any woman's ever run from for her life. I'm surprised I got married. The fear, the pain, the noise from the wrong path. It wasn't the normal path. It wasn't a simple path. It was me trying to invent something crazy. The reality is some of the paths that you're on, there's fear, there's intrepidation, there's worry, there's chaos, there's noises that you don't know about. Get back to the old paths. What do you mean? Paths of how to date. Paths of how to, how to live for significance and purpose. Paths of how to succeed. Paths of how to give and be generous. Paths of how to be moral in your, in your mind and in your, in your being and in your life. Paths in your sexual ethic about the Bible, a biblical sexual ethic. Paths about a biblical sexual ethic for marriage and for the sanctity of life. Some old paths. Can we get back to some old paths? It might not be a popular path, a cool path, but the path that we need to get back to has peace attached to it. Well, everybody that wanders isn't lost. That's a great Jeep commercial, but it's bad for navigating life. <laughs> Coming out of the woods with a broken leg, thorns all over you, like, I hadn't been lost. Yeah, but you, you're broken. I want the paths of God. There's three ways that he says that we can get to these paths. He says that they, they actually set this gate, the old gate, and then, they, and then they fortify. Listen to me real quick. I got a few more minutes with you. They fortify the city. 
The word fortify has three interpretations or three applications. Fortify, one is a military term that they actually fortify. You get on the old path, you can actually begin to fortify some things in your life. It's actually where you can, the enemy wants to fortify areas of thinking and ways in our life and, and fortify homes. We can actually set up spiritual fortifications for God in the earth. Jesus isn't ruling the earth, but he can rule it through us. We can actually fortify some areas for God. We're going to fortify some areas when we do a Christmas mall in here for this community when we say, hey, God's a generous God. We can for, you can fortify some stuff. It also means you can fortify your mind. It has a mental application that you can actually begin to have a clear conscience and a clean mind. And you can actually begin to think like God and have the mind of Christ and think on things that are pure and holy and a good report. And you can think on the things of God. The Bible says, well, God's ways are higher than our ways. And no one knows it. That's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. The New Testament says you have the mind of Christ that you can think the thoughts of God. The Spirit of God lives in you. The author of the book is inside of you. When you read it, the author's present. He tells you what it means. You can think like God. You can fortify your mind. And then you can fortify your morals. That there's this, there's this fortification of our morals that we need in the earth again. Come on, church. Come on. I'm just telling you, this might be old school. I'm going old school for a minute. My grandma used to say, nothing good happens after midnight. Y'all know it's true. My kids want to push their curfew all the time. Nothing good happens after midnight. That's, I'm just, sexually, we have a world, and it's crept into the church. Do you know how many couples, can I just say, like, there's a study that, that's out. This is not a church study. Marriages, people that live together before marriage are 48% more likely to get divorced than people that do not. That is not a church study. That is a worldly, secular study. They are proving that God's ways, the ancient ways, the old ways actually work. Something like that's just, that's just, we just gotta, gotta take it for a test drive. No, you don't. <laughs> Somebody said, what, what, what are the boundaries? Keep all your clothes on. Keep everything zipped up. And keep four feet on the floor. <laughs> you might be able to invent something, but that's going to be hard with all three of those ramifications. Clothes on, zipped up, feet on the floor. It's going to be tough. Let me, let me say it this way. My wife and I, we've been married 23 years. 23 years. 23 years. I'm going to hit this for a second, and then I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> and, and because it's crept into the church. Jesus is looking for a spotless, pure bride. Pure in their eyes, pure in their ears, pure in what we ingest, pure in what we look at, pure in how we act out. He's looking for that. Um, my wife and I, 23 years. The Bible says, Paul says that the marriage bed is pure. It's pure. It's undefiled. It's pure. The marriage bed is pure. Y'all would agree with that? You agree the marriage bed is pure? That means that I can't tell you what to do in the bedroom because <laughs> Paul didn't and Jesus didn't, but, but I can tell you what to keep out of the bedroom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you can do what you want in the bedroom. It's pure. It's pure. It's pure. But whatever between husband and wife, between husband and wife, that's it. Husband and wife, it's pure. My wife and I, 23 years married. You know what? We've been married 23 years and, and I'm just, you know, it's been so long. And so a lot of times, like, I, there's this other lady that really gets me, that, and um, she shops at the same store I shop at, and she, gets, she laughs at my sense of humor and my jokes, and so I go to her house uh, about once a month, and my wife's okay with it, and we talk, and she, she laughs at my jokes, and she, she really gives me affirmation because she enjoys my, my sense of humor more than my wife. And we've, we, my wife and I have settled it, and it's okay. I go over there, and uh, I don't, we don't take our clothes off or anything. We just lay in the same bed, and we just talk. And we just, we, uh, we, we, we hold hands a little bit and we kiss only, we only kiss a little bit 
but we keep all of our clothes on. And Sandra knows that, that, that it's been 23 years. So this is a little bit, this is okay. Y'all are, y'all are freaking out right now. And none of that's true, by the way, online, none of that's true. Praise God. My, my point is this. You're freaking out because the marriage bed is pure. My question is, why do you believe it for me, but not you? Why do you hold me to it, but not yourself to it? If it's true, it's true. If it's true, it's true. I know everybody's a little bit uncomfortable with the old path today. But I'm just saying like, Let's hold ourselves to the old paths of God. Let's let God do a work in our heart and our life. I'm not talking about religious. I'm not beating you up today. I hope you don't feel beat up. I'm coming with grace and love and life and truth and old paths. And there's grace and God gets us up out of the miry pit and God rescues us from that life. And he changes the way we think and he empowers us from the inside to actually walk that path. But I'm telling you, the world is full of decay. The path is not right. And we have to make a decision to go, you know what? I'm going to be bold enough to say, no, what? There is a right path. There is an old path. There is peace attached to it. I want peace, man. I want peace for your soul. Nehemiah sets up some of these gates and fortifies them. He sets up locks on the doors. It speaks to our prayer life. Can I tell you that you can lock hell out and lock heaven in? Through praying, you can lock hell out of your family. You can lock hell out of your house. You can lock hell out of this city. And you can lock heaven in. Anything I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Anything I loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. I've been given authority by the word of God. These are some gates of revival that I pray that we can set back up into our life. The cross and evangelism and the old path. I'm going to get to about all the other paths next week. I pray for you today that God would just do a, a supernatural work in your life. I don't know where you are and where your story is right now, but I pray that something that I said today would hit your soul and that God would do a work in your life. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for showing us Nehemiah's heart to, to rebuild in a city. Thank you for the prophetic application of all those gates. There's nothing meaningless in your word. There's nothing happenstance. There's nothing just by, by accident. I thank you for that sheep gate. I pray today for those that have come in here that feel like they are weighed down by guilt or sin, or they feel like they're just not good enough that Lord, you paid the price. You went to the cross. You already were lifted up. They can't lift anything up any higher. They just have to know what you already did. You took their place. They're well pleasing to you. You love them today. I pray Lord that you would continue to eradicate sin out of our life that you give, you've given us the power. You've already judged it. Satan has no foothold on our life. And Lord, that we confess who we are in you, Jesus, that we, we say who we are in you, God, what you've already done over our life. Lord, sin's been paid for past, present, and future. I, pr- I pray for a spirit of boldness on our church spirit of boldness on our church to reach a city for, for you, God, that there's some stuff that's still lost. There's some family members that are still lost, some brothers and sisters, sons, daughters, some kids, Lord, that are wayward. I pray, Lord, that you would, you would empower us and you would help us to, to have the strength to open our mouth with the good news. I thank you for the gospel of good news, Lord, that it works, that it would save souls in our city. Lord, that people are going to live forever somewhere. Would you empower us? Would you engage us in the great commission once again? Not just for a select few, but for all of your people. Not just for a a, a select group of pastors, but for all of your people, men and women, all your kids to get involved in the search, oh God. We beg them to come in, compel them from the highways and byways. That they would know your goodness and your grace and your light. And Lord, would you return us to the old path today? Lord, any area that anyone's on on a scary path, a slippery slope, 
I pray, Lord, you put solid ground under their feet today. You'd restore them. You said you lift us out of the miry clay and set our feet upon a rock. Would you give us the old path again? Would you, would you allow individuals to actually ask for it today? Ask for the old ways. Father, I pray those that would need that, you would answer and you would direct them that they don't have to, they don't have to find their way. You would lead them. You would direct them. You would give them the steps. Their steps are ordered today. I pray for that individual that's in a slippery relationship, Lord, that you would settle it and put them back on solid ground. I pray for that person that has a broken heart, that you would heal that heart and not let them walk back into that brokenness. I pray for that person that's kind of been wayward morally and in their mind and in their heart, Lord, maybe in their actions. I pray that you would love them, that they are not condemned, that they are your child and they would come back to you today by grace. I thank you for your power to rebuild and bring revival. No one looking around just for a second. Maybe you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never surrendered your heart and life to Christ. Maybe you're watching online and you've never said, you know what, I need God. Maybe you've been on your own path, doing your own thing, your own way. And you know today that if you died, you're not right with God. You're not going to heaven. You know you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You might have been in church, but you know that Jesus isn't the ruler and Lord of your life. The Bible says it's as simple as this, coming to Jesus and saying, hey, Jesus, I believe in you. I need a fresh start in God. You don't clean your life up. He did all the heavy lifting. If you're watching online right now and you need a fresh start with God, the Bible says make Jesus the leader of your life and you get a fresh start with God. You get eternal life. Would you just type in fresh start if you need that this morning? Right there online, just type it in. We want to pray for you. And then if you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a relationship with God or I'm, I'm away from God right now. I need a fresh start this morning. No one looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. But would you put your hand up high to me and boldly? I need a fresh start with God. I want his ways. Come on. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your courage. I want his ways, not my ways. I need Christ in my life. Anybody else? Hold it up so I can pray for you. Awesome. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your boldness, sir. Come on, church. People saying yes to Jesus, yes to his path, yes to his cross. I'm going to pray a simple prayer with you. If you put your hand up, put your heart up right now in this prayer. If you didn't put your hand up but need to, put your heart up right now with me. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, you're the only way. I can't fix my life. I can't heal myself. I have to look to you. You said if I look to you, if I look to what you did on that cross, you would heal me. You would remove sin and the poison of death. You would remove, remove Satan's sting and give me eternal life. I trust you. I believe you died and you rose from the dead. Would you take my shame, my guilt, all the fear, take all the turmoil of my life, nail it to that cross. I turn from that old life and I turn to your way. You're the leader of my life today. I surrender and submit to you. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a brand new heart that I can serve you the rest of my life. Be my leader. And my Lord, in Jesus' name. Come on, would you guys give God some praise in this place? If you're online right now, come on, people just got saved in the room. People just said yes to Christ. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.